Welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. And if you're hearing this message, it's because you've selected one of our episodes from season one of the Fire Podcast. My wife and I, we used to live in Columbus, Ohio before we did. Uh, this podcast was launched and it was run by Jeffrey Hawthorne and Nick Hawthorne. They did a wonderful job. Uh, really thankful for those guys. And since then, we have moved out to Seattle, Washington. We uh, now feel like it's time to relaunch this podcast. And so if you want to hear the newest content, you'll want to jump to the relaunch, which is episode 14. Uh, if not, definitely stay, listen to this content. It's full of great speakers and rich content. You'll probably laugh uh, a few times along the way. Those guys are hilarious, and I uh, hope it blesses you. Also, if fire has impacted you in any way and you, you love what we do, uh, please consider supporting us either one time or monthly. Uh, you can go over to firemovement.com slash support uh, to to give there, um, and we appreciate any any kind of support. We're really thankful for you guys. Also, please share. Um, share these episodes with your friends. Share with us what God's doing through this, how these are speaking to you. I'd love to connect with you and hear a little bit more of your story. Uh, and so send us an email, send us a message, connect with us through social media, however you'd like, but I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. I got the revelation, receive the invitation. Here is my RSVP. You took all my frustration, became my inspiration. Show me all that love could be. And I say yes to you. My heart screams yes to you. In all your ways. In all you do. Welcome back once again to the Fire Podcast, most fire podcast you will ever listen to. I am once again hosting, and today I am hosting my dear friends and our leaders of fire, Ryan and Milka Rhodes. Welcome. Hey, glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here. All right, so you guys just got back from a trip to Mexico, and we want to recap how the backstory of how you ended up getting there. And then, and we'll probably end up doing a second podcast of what actually happened there because the stories are long and awesome. But first, got a question. This one comes from our live studio audience, me. And I want to know, <laughs> would you rather never be able to eat tacos again or never be able to drink coffee again? Ooh. Mm -hmm. That is a tough one. If you can see their faces now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I would never eat tacos again. What? Wow. Yeah. There's other Mexican wow. foods. That is true. But to give up all of coffee, that's... Yeah, because you'd probably have to do wholesale coffee, right? Like no lattes, mochas, espresso. Yeah. You'd have to cut it all out. Hmm. You'd have to be a tea drinker. I don't know. <sighs> I think I would rather give up coffee. There is no way I would give up tacos. Ever. Ever. I love tacos way too much. Mm -mm. Stereotypical. <laughs> I'd give I don't up, care. I'd give up coffee as well. I love coffee though. Yeah. That'd be rough. You don't start your every day with tacos. <laughs> I would it's if like, you were up for it. You'd start your day like yeah. eight AM just have tacos. Yes. My my mom when we were kids would make us enchiladas for breakfast. Yeah. Like full on enchiladas, like full not enchiladas. breakfast enchiladas. Like, like we'd wake up and get ready for school, like third grade. Okay, go to wow. the kitchen. There was a plate of fresh enchiladas made with our little, <laughs> the little jello things, the jello cups with the peel off thing. 
yeah, what, what would you do with that? You put that on the enchiladas? No, you just eat your enchiladas, have your little Jello as dessert, and then you're oh, off to the school. Jello? I thought you said jelly. No Jello. I was like, what? Okay, gotcha. Wow. So that be the meal for the day, though. Like you come home, and then there would just be the leftovers for dinner. <laughs> no, she always made a fresh Dang. meal. Yeah. Killing it. Wow. Well, I would. I'd hold on to the tacos. I'd eat tacos for breakfast, though. Oh yeah. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we do every day. I could probably eat tacos for dinner every day. Oh man, I'm getting hungry. I know. Anyway. So we want to hear about this Mexico trip, um, but the the backstory to how we ended up getting to Mexico, or you guys ended up getting to Mexico, is a very long story. So let's go ahead and dive in. So where does this part of the story begin of just that timeline of leading up to getting the invitation and actually going to Mexico? Um, it really started a couple years ago, um, and around, what, what was that, 2015? 2015. And the story, like, it's one of those perfect stories that it weaves in and out. Um, but if you can track with us, it's actually pretty incredible. Um, it was the fall of 2015, so it's, yeah, a little over two years. Yeah, so we were, we were part of an event here in Columbus. Um, and I was part of the original um, visioneering for the event, but then the, the event didn't really become what we had envisioned it to be. Um, but the speaker we brought in, he had a, a videographer with him who I got asked to drive around. And um, we actually really hit it off because I have some of a film background and stuff. And um, we became good friends. And then they left. Um, and so there were him and then there was somebody else who I'd, I had talked to, I think, a week or two later. And just sharing some of my disappointment about what happened with the event and thinking it should have been more and then just where I was at it was a really rough season of life and every way we were being crushed and um so him and the videographer both run into Todd White um uh, within a day or two of each other um at at different events and end up telling Todd White was looking for somebody to be kind of a videographer but he wanted somebody that actually knew God and um would be committed in both the ministry but also um in videography and so both these guys gave him my name. And so then I got a call from him. I remember I was at a dentist and we were out praying for people at Denison University and I got a call from Todd White. And um, and he basically invited us down to Kentucky to one of his schools of power and love and wanted us to come down there and, and spend some time with him mm -hmm. to see if it was a good fit for me to potentially do this with him. Um, only thing was right before we went, I was I got word from God that I wasn't supposed to do it. <laughs> so we went down like kind of knowing we'd already committed to it, knowing that I wasn't going to do it. Um, then we ended up in Kentucky. So, Yeah, for me, it's a little different. I mean, I was born in Mexico, so being here in the U.S. since I was seven years old, um, I always wanted to return. I returned went to Mexico when I was nine, and then this huge mess happened with my immigration status and it was a very rough journey from that point on um, of just going back and forth with immigration and I always desired just to go back. I remember being, I was, I was nine years old and I remember saying to myself, one day I will return to Mexico and help my people. And 
uh, for a long time, I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to help people. Like I wanted to help people with the whole immigration system and just, uh, just how messy it was because I knew the struggle of just trying to do things the right way and nothing working out, constantly being denied. So for me, it was more having to do with that. I mean, I saw what um, Ryan was going through and I was like, wow, like this is crazy. You know, uh, we're getting invited to meet Todd White and this is awesome. But yeah, it's just, it's amazing that, you know, that turned into something a lot more different than we thought. Yeah. Well, I didn't say this either. So the other, the other speaker, like they had talked to me about potentially traveling with them too, and nothing ever came of it. So it was like, we're going through this crushing season and it's like, oh my gosh, we're going to get out of this. Like God's now promoting us. And then nothing happens. And then Todd White calls and we get invited to go down there. And right before I go, God's like, no, like this, you're not going to go do this. And so it was like, again, disappointing. Uh, but we still felt like we were supposed to go down and see Todd, like it was for something else. And so we go down to this church down there, and it's a school of power and love, which is a four-day, it's Todd's four-day ministry school, basically. Um, and we only got, I think, ten minutes with him. And they were the most intense ten minutes of him. <laughs> he got nose-to-nose -nose with me and <laughs> stared in my eyes, and he's like, there can be no compromise in you, no compromise for the gospel. <laughs> And uh, it's like reading my soul is terrifying. Um, but anyways, so we got like 10 minutes with him and we quickly decided like this isn't, he recognized it too, like this isn't a good fit for that. Like this isn't for that. This relationship's for something else. And that's been beautiful just every, every time we get to see him, get a hug from him and um, we talk every once in a while, that sort of thing. But it wasn't for that. And while we're at this power, uh, power, power and love conference or whatever they call them school of power and love um we end up praying for somebody uh this girl who um had a migraine and was all these people were praying for her and um it was just really abusive how a lot of the prayer was was happening so i pulled her off to the side and was like hey can i you know can i pray for you and she was just reluctantly said yes and um I put my hands on her and I didn't, I didn't expect God to show up how he did, but the presence of God just fell on her and she got healed and she's crying. And so she, and then she is like, Oh my gosh, she got me. And she introduced us to someone else. And I, um, I, at that point I grabbed Milka and then they took us back. They turned out to be really close with the pastors of this church in, in Kentucky. So then they take us back and they're like, these people are awesome. And the pastors immediately were like, can you come prophesy over us? And, like, we don't know these people from anyone. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so they take us back in this room, uh, back to their office, and ask us to prophesy. And I don't know if it was just because of where we are at in life at that point or because there was no no one knew us there. But we just kind of just, like, let it all out. Just whatever came to mind. We just said it. And um, gave them some pretty hard words, actually, uh, about what was about to take place in their church. And... Um, good and bad stuff. Um, we talked basically about church split and God giving them governmental influence and bringing people around them and moving them from the pastor to the apostolic and all this stuff. And um, it was actually pretty powerful. It was a really powerful time. There was a, a lot of prophetic flow in the room, and we just we couldn't stop. At one point, I was like, man, we've been going forever. But mm -hmm. it was like so much kept coming and just flowing that 
we just had to just give it to them and we didn't know them so it wasn't like we sat there and we were trying to figure out well it doesn't fit with their life it was just kind of like this is what god is saying so here you go and just went for it and all that came out of just praying for a girl who had a headache and then just a (laughs) random opportunity arises to go meet with their leaders yeah and so we end up really quickly with the leaders and so we never we didn't really follow up with them to find out what happened we just kind of (laughs) left and it wasn't um here we didn't know them we just kind of blessed them and we're like all right nice to meet you (laughs) yeah and so then we fast forward a little bit um around what was that 2015 2016 into 2015 2016 early 2016 i started really discovering david hogan um i'd heard the name a lot and had heard like he's up there with heidi baker and you know sees all these dead raisings and all this stuff and of course we're drawn to people like that but i'd never actually like taken the time to listen to him i kept feeling this the stirring to like listen to him so i started listening to his stuff um listening to his messages and it was it was doing something to me that no one's other than maybe Catherine Kuhlman, no one's messages had, had done that to me, what his messages were doing. So um, started listening to that. Um, around that time, too, he at our church, we started discussing bringing in David Hogan. And we were trying to get a hold of him. He was, you know, he's really hard to get a hold of. Um, could not get a response back because um, he's down in Mexico. And... Um, then fast forward a little bit more, there's another conference that happens, um, and in this conference, uh, um, they needed drivers for all of the, this was mid, or early to mid, uh, 2017, but they needed drivers for people, and Bill, I didn't want to drive anyone because we had, we had to go to another conference a couple hours away, and so I was trying to, like, focus on that, and Bill Vanderbush came up. And so, am I skipping stuff? I don't think so, right? No, I don't think so. So, Bill Vanderbush's name came up, um, which if you don't know him, he's awesome. He he uh, he kind of runs in the Bethel stream, but he's he's a true father. And he's part of a, a church in, uh, it's Disney's only official church. While Disney designed the church, it's uh, in Celebration, Florida, in Orlando. And it's a very traditional church. And it's a lot of the Disney executives and things like that. And the pastor had a real encounter with Holy Spirit. And so Bill, he brought Bill on staff and they're seeing miracle signs and wonders in this Presbyterian church in celebration at Florida at Disney's church, um, which is pretty cool. He's just an awesome guy. He's able to cross over really well and bring the supernatural into those more traditional streams. And so anyways, he I saw his name and I've never really had much of a pull towards him until that and I knew I was supposed to be his driver. So I volunteered end up getting to spend the whole day with him. He didn't want to go back to the hotel and want to just hang out. So we went to North Market here in Columbus and mm-hmm. hung out. And he is really good friends with David Hogan. Um, he took David Hogan's family uh, to Disney, <laughs> which <laughs> I, that's just, if you know David Hogan, that's just hilarious. Think about David Hogan running around Disney. <laughs> uh, he also took Todd White's family and said Todd White was, because the characters down there have to stay in character no matter what. And so he's like, prophesying over them they're crying and they're getting healed and they have to like stay in character um as disney princesses and stuff which is hilarious that's incredible because <laughs> <laughs> they they actually get fired if they're if they break character um it's amazing anyway so got to hang out with him and it's just awesome mm-hmm. so fast forward a little bit you know a couple months more 
this this burning started happening in both of us but especially with me like I had I had gotten to a point where I was really just frustrated um in a good way with where I was at and just I wasn't satisfied with and I st- I'm still not with what I'm carrying and I'd been going after the baptism of fire for a while um and I just I was like I've got to get around well actually God gave me a word and it turned out I, d- I didn't listen to the word for a while but he said uh, he wanted me to get around anointed men and give him, the, you know, get up early and give him six to eight in the morning. And I didn't do it for a while, but then finally I was like, I've got to do this. And so I contacted a few different people, one of which was Bill Vanderbush um, down in Florida. And I was just like, I've just got to get around people like you guys. And can you, you know, can I spend some time with you? And one of them uh, was Michael Culianos. And they all graciously said yes. Bill Vanderbush invited me to stay with him and, um, and and got to go down there. And it was just absolutely incredible. Um, and that trip, they each prayed for me. Nothing was like, there was never a moment where I got like slain in the spirit or, you know, some dramatic whatever. Um, but it was stirring something within me. So, um, yeah. So during that time um, that he's going through all of this stuff, I just want to rewind back a little bit to where I was at. So at, in 2016, he's like listening to all this David Hogan stuff. And I had never heard of David Hogan. I mean, I had heard his name, but I never heard his messages or anything or actually looked into any of, you know, uh, anything he did. And so when, you know, I would hear him listening to his messages and then um, I would hear about him being involved with Mexico, I was like, oh, well, that's that's quite interesting because for a long time, I had a frustration in my heart um, just about people not having a heart for Mexico. I always felt like no one cares about Mexico, you know, because when um, it was asked, like, what nation do you have in your heart? You know, we'd be in a room and we'd ask all these people, like, what nation do you want to go to or has God put on your heart? Everyone would say different things. Africa, you know, India and China. And Mexico never came up, not once. And I would be like, why does anybody care about Mexico? Why, why? And it was so frustrating to me. Um, And I got to a point that I didn't want to have a heart for Mexico because I saw that, no one else had a heart from Mexico, so I felt I felt alone in the fact that I thought I was the only one who had a heart for my country, um, but also in the fact that even though I had a heart from Mexico, I couldn't even get there. So mm. it was like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of me, you know, loving my country so much and, and the people and everything if, like, it's an impossibility in my life? I mean, at this point, I was now... Um, 28 years old you know and I hadn't been back since I was nine so it's like all this time has passed and I've been pursuing it and you know you get tired after a while you you get tired after you know almost two decades of trying and wanting something to break open and nothing does but during that time uh, when I hit that frustration period Um, God just like he slowly began to bring me into this place of helping me realize like it's okay it's okay to have um, to have this desire and it's okay to continue to pursue it 
Uh, but I was fighting him on it. I was like, no, no, I don't want a heart for Mexico. I, and now I have a heart for Europe. You know, it's like, do I really? <laughs> so it was just, yeah, that for me, especially 2016 was a year where there was like a big battle in my heart going back and forth. And that's when the whole thing happened with Ryan really pursuing just listening to David Hogan and all this stuff. So that was my story during that period. So that process is really like your your frustration. So you and you were at nine, you were like, I want to come back and help my people. And then you went right. through this frustration. And then God was like, hey, this is still for you. Like, this is still an opportunity. And that's when it kind of opened back up for you. Yeah. I mean, my heart was really beginning to get hardened. And God would still like give me different things, you know, to pray over Mexico and stuff like that. And I reluctantly would mm-hmm. actually do it. Um, but... A big part of it was, why am I doing this if I can't even go back? Like, why? Because at that point, you couldn't travel. Right. I couldn't I couldn't leave the country because of the whole issue that was going on with my immigration stuff. I mean, I could, but, you know, it, was, it would have become a mess. That's what would have happened. So, anyway, it was just, yeah, um, I think during that time, um, God was being really gracious and really patient with me. And looking back at it now, it's like, wow, that that's the heart of God, that even when we're acting like a bratty child, you know, and throwing a tantrum fit, he's like, it's okay. Like, calm mm-hmm. down. It's going to be okay. You, you yeah. can still desire this. It's fine. Well, and, then, and then it opened up for your travel in 2017. Yes. Right? And you got to Honduras. And, you know, the... Those trips, so she she got to travel for the first time, got to go to Honduras, which wasn't yeah. Mexico, obviously, but it was still her, you know, similar culture and everything. Um, well, even with Honduras, um, in 2017, the year started off with me going to Honduras, and what's crazy is, you know, Honduras was happening, and I told God, I don't want to go to Honduras first. I want to go to Mexico. Like, Mexico's the first nation I want to go to now that I can travel. And God said, go to Honduras. I will bless it. Just go to Honduras. And so I I went on that trip, and I got so messed up by the trip. I mean, it changed my life. Like, yeah. so much came alive in me. Mm-hmm. And I've realized now how there is a part of you in the nations that won't come alive until you get there. You know, when you actually step foot on land and you get involved with the people, there's something there. There's like a a part of who you are that's just waiting there for you. And when you get there, it it just lights up. And you realize like, wow, this is who I am. Like there's a greater part of you that's unraveled and that you identify with that's like, this is me. And that's what happened when I went. And I just, there was so much, so much that happened. And that trip led me to then God saying, I want you to return to Honduras. What was it? Uh, Four months later. And I hadn't been back to Mexico yet. And so I was like, but I want to go back to Mexico. And he said, just go to Honduras. And he's like, I will bless that. When your income's pretty limited, (laughs) you know, you you have to do your trips wisely. And so it's looking like if you go back to Honduras, then Mexico's definitely not going to happen. Right. But we also, like, we knew we were supposed to go to Mexico in 2017. Then we started getting words about it and stuff. But we would not go just to go. Like, it's too dangerous. So we are looking for the the God moment and to go. Um, and 
so then to to get back to my section of it and just what was happening, I started having these these dreams, and we'll hurry this along, but like I started having these dreams of David Hogan, and one of them was specifically I was in a war zone and everything's just absolutely destroyed. It was just devastation everywhere, and it was like one of those places no one would want to be. And I got there, and David Hogan was there, and he looked at me, and he looked me in the eyes, and his eyes were this blue, like blue flame, and he stared at me, and I could feel Jesus in his eyes, and he looked and just stared into my eyes, got in my face, and he said, he said, what are you doing here? And I, I stared right back at him, and I could feel that same, the same way I was feeling Jesus through his eyes, I started to feel Jesus move through my eyes to him, and I said, I'm here to grab a hold of everything you've obtained. And he said, he said I know you will. And that was the end of the dream. So I woke up, presence of God is on me. And then I just had dream after dream of David teaching me how to raise the dead or being there when I'm praying for somebody or, you know, different things. And um, so we knew something was happening. And uh, so anyways, got that time, went down uh, to Florida, spent time with those guys, came back, was burning more than ever. I mean, we were seeing, uh, we saw an increase in miracles, increase in uh, demonic deliverances and just everything. Um, just God was on us in a stronger way and on the, the ministry and what we were doing. But um, there was nothing, you know, we were fasting and praying and doing all those things that you do, um, but there was nothing that we were doing that would have made us jump that much um, in the way God was on us. And it was noticeable that there was a big change. There were shifts happening every time we'd get around these people. And so then we, we found out that David was going to be, um, David Hogan was going to be in the area, which was a big deal because he's not in the U.S. a lot, especially not in our area. And so it turned out he was going to be doing a little tour around the whole, all the states around us, around Ohio. And so um, this was while she was in Honduras the second time, um, a group of us, including Jeff, like went and just followed David around to some of his meetings. <laughs> and... Um, and they were just, they were so powerful. Uh, just the things, you know, I have one of the greatest encounters I've ever had, which is for another podcast, but um, during those meetings and it just, something was stirring in us. And I, you know, I kept seeing David would look at, at us. And I remember actually the first night, I didn't even know he was in the room. We were there about 45 minutes early. I'm standing in the back of the room and all of a sudden I felt Holy Spirit like, just that same from my dream, the way he would gaze in my eyes and what I would feel, I felt that hit me in the side of the head and I turned and David was staring at me. He was, he was at the front of the room and I was in the back of the room and he was just staring at me with those eyes. He didn't say anything. He didn't motion to me, nothing. He just stared and I stared back at him and then he turned away and kept talking to somebody. And so yeah. something was happening. Uh, then we found out uh, he was going to be at the church in Kentucky. The well, one, hold on. When you, that was going on, when he was following David Hogan around, I was in Honduras, and my entire trip in Honduras for the second time that I went, um, it was such a, a like a mission impossible type trip. It was so cool. It was just myself and uh, my friend Lindsay Sider going there, which just overall, like that's not, yeah that's not super smart you know just for mm. two women to go but like god was all over it so the at the end of the trip at the airport we're getting ready to take off like to get on our airplane and this man um handed me a 50 dollar like 50 peso bill and it was from mexico and he said to me uh 
God told me to hold on to this because there was someone that I needed to give this to. And as soon as he handed that to me, like I burst into tears and God began to speak to me and said, because of your obedience and with coming to Honduras, I am now blessing you by opening the door for you to go to Mexico. Well, yeah. And so it's cool because that was happening to me while he's following David Hogan around, mm-hmm. who obviously is an incredible man in Mexico. And that guy that gave you the 50 pesos has no idea that you're Mexican. You're in an airport in Central know. America where the, everyone is Latina and Latina. Right. So it's not like he was picking you out of a bunch of gringos. He <laughs> said he was just in Mexico and God told him to hold on to that bill. or wow. Well, yeah, that bill because he was going to give it to somebody that needed it. And I was like, that's so crazy. Like, I'm going back to the U.S. Why would I need this? But it, it was all... It's 50 the... pesos, so it's next to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not need for financial need. <laughs> But yeah, so so we we end up going to see David at this church that we were at two years before for Todd White, where we went down to meet him. So this is where this kind of comes full circle. And the pastors, we contacted them like, hey, is there anybody we could stay with or anything? We didn't want to have to get a hotel if, if we could meet some people, and we love doing that. And they're like, you have to stay with us. And like, they didn't really give us a choice. Like, they're like, you're gonna stay with us. And we're like, okay, we're thinking you're, you gotta be busy. You're having a conference weekend. Like, we know how that is at our church. And they wanted us, they insisted on us staying with them. So we get there, they take us to their house, and their house was, is a giant retreat center that used to, it belonged to Boys and Girls Club of America. And they, it's it's just crazy. So they showed us around everything. This place is beautiful, acres and acres and acres. And they showed us their bedroom. It was just so peaceful in their prayer room, and God was there. And it was just incredible. And then they say, you know, you're standing in your prophecy. And they began to recount, and which we had mostly forgotten, but as they were saying stuff, we were remembering what we prophesied over them, and they're like, everything you guys said happened. Mm-hmm. And so that just the the prophetic word and the willingness to like just freely give what we were hearing, um, you know, led to they're like we held on to that word, and, and each piece of it happened. And one of the one of the pieces is that God was going to bless them. Uh, in a way that would it would be something that would be turned into a business and all this stuff that God was going to take them out of a like living in poverty and they were living in a, in a crappy small little house there's oh what's five or six of them mm-hmm. and um, and God gave them this giant house that they're now going to be using as a retreat center and all this other stuff so they were just crying we're crying and they're then you know so that was like yeah. that was a big deal but then um, we asked if we could get any time with David because we you know one of the things that we hold really dear is sewing into people like personally um, like having a check or, or cash and praying over it um, and then sewing it directly as honor for you know people what they've because a lot of these guys that we look up to like we, we love their testimonies and everything and people want to be like them but no one knows the cost that they pay behind the scenes right yeah and so you know we, we just like to honor that and just say thank you for paying the cost and um so anyways we were asking because we wanted to have a moment to do that just to thank him and and give him and his wife uh, mrs hogan was there too um that you know money from us but also just thank them and and look them in the eyes and thank them and like wow you're gonna have lunch with them tomorrow and we're like what and so it was like more than we could have imagined but because of our prophetic word um you know two years before they they were like we want to bless you with this and so we got we got to have lunch with David and sit 
and for three, it was three hours long. Yes. And he sat and barely looked at anybody else but me and stared me <laughs> in the eyes the whole time and terrified me. And, um, and I'm not a people worshiper at all, but you can feel God. It's like the fear of the Lord hits you when he stares you in the eyes. And, uh, and it messed us up, but he really liked us. There was something about it, uh, about us that he really liked. And you could tell that he liked us and it wasn't, it wasn't normal. Um, and so then at the end, when he was walking away, I was like, Hey, you know, we've been trying, our church has been trying, our pastor has been trying to get a hold of you. Um, we'd love for you to come to our church. And I was like, you know, we're, um, our friend Bill, Bill Vanderbush reached out to you and stuff. He's like, Oh, you're friends with Bill Vanderbush. And, and I was like, yeah, I just stayed at his house. And so like that even tied in. He was right. like, Oh my gosh. He's like, if you're friends with him, I'll come. And, um, <laughs> And so, yeah, so he agreed to, he agreed to come to our church and that was awesome. So then he gives me, first he gave me a a card with like the ministry number. And then he, later on, he, during the service, he slipped me his personal like card with his, his cell phone number and stuff. And all of a sudden now this hero that I've had that I've been having dreams about and all stuff, I've got his number on my phone. I'm like, this is crazy. What is happening? Um, and so that, that was awesome. Um, but we left there, and that's where you probably want to give the short version of this. But um, we thought, you know, that's the end of it. Like we yeah. just followed him. I had been at I think seven or eight meetings with him at that point from following him around just to be around what he carries. And um, yeah, we got back home, and as soon as we got home, I I just I was determined. I I said to Ryan, I need to see him again. I said, I need to have him lay hands on me again one more time. I just, I need that. I need to get around him again. Um, And it's just the heart that he had for Mexico, like just he has, uh, being around him and listening to him preach and just being around the anointing that he carried. I was like, I just, I need that. I, I had never met someone who loved my country so much and carried such a heavy anointing for it. And just, just the heavy anointing period. And so, I was like, I need to get around him. I need him to lay hands on me. So I looked up. Which Grant, she just went on a trip, and <laughs> and you know, and then we just spent all this money traveling yes. around, and it just was not a good time to then spend more money <laughs> <laughs> on top of sewing each time we saw him and all that. Right. So I looked up, you know, on his website, his itinerary, and the next place he was going to be in was in Alabama. Next and last in the U.S. Yes, in Alabama, and then after that he was headed off to Europe. And so um, I was like, wow, Alabama, which is (laughs) 10 hours away from us. And so I told Ryan, I am going to Alabama. And he's like, what? Are you serious? I was like, I'm getting to him. I don't care. And so I started contacting different friends to see who would come with me. No one could come with me. And so I told God, I don't care. I will go to Alabama by myself if I have to. But I'm getting to David Hogan. And I couldn't go because we had Vision Sunday at church and I had to be there. Right. And so um, last minute, literally like the day before, it worked out where like these three other girls, um, including my sister, could come with me. And... Uh, we booked a hotel that night and everything and left the next day at five in the morning. And so <laughs> we drove there 10 hours later, we get there, we went to one church service with him. Um, I see him and 
before the church service started, we got there early. So I, I see him and uh, he's talking to somebody, but I saw his wife, Mrs. Hogan. So I walked up to her and I was like, hi, do you remember me? I met you in Lexington. And she's like, yeah, I remember you. So we talked a little bit and then David walked up and I said, so I just have a quick question. My husband and I would love to visit you guys when we go to Mexico. We plan on going soon. Could we stop by and see you guys? And he's like, yeah, why don't you just come and, you know, come and stay with us for the last, well, he said, come and stay with us. And then I was like, when? And he said, in January. And I was like, well, um, can we go this year sometime? (laughs) And he said, yeah, come the last week of December. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he said, open invitation. And I about like freaked out. Like I just wanted to scream and jump and dance. But I was like keeping cool. And I was like, okay. And so, yeah, we just exchanged information in that moment. And yeah, I I was shocked. Like the rest of the service, all I could do was smile. I was just sitting there with a huge <laughs> smile on my face. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Mexico with David Hogan. And um, I was just like really thankful. You know, my heart was just so overwhelmed. I mean, the drive there was so long. And then the drive back home was 12 hours. Like, it, it was crazy, um, but it was so worth it. And it just felt like God was saying, hey, you paid a price. Let me just reward you with something right now. And it was way bigger than I, I thought. I was not expecting to come back with an invite from him. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of how we got to Mexico. Um, but just to kind of wrap up um, some of this and draw some points real quick, like, one of the things we've realized is two of the most important things. You know, I had the word from God about, you know, get around, um, get around anointed men. And so we have made these sacrifices. And it's like the more we made the sacrifices, the more doors that God would open up for us to be around people like that. Right. Um, and people that we couldn't put ourselves around if we tried. And, you know, a lot of them were contacting us or inviting us into their lives or asking, you know, it was just... The way stuff was happening was just crazy. And you know, one of the people was Robert Slearden, um, author of God's Generals and all that, and got time with him in Orlando uh, because another friend who is with another uh, speaker, you know, I contacted him and said, hey, is there anybody I should meet in Orlando? And then he's like, you know, Roberts is waiting for your call. And um, that was incredible getting to know Roberts. And, and then, you know, we went to Jesus 17, uh, which is an event that Michael and Jessica Culianos run. And, uh, you know, while we were there, when Roberts found out we were there, he came over because he wanted to come hang out with us and our, our friends, and Jeff was there for that. And, <laughs> you know, and then he opened the door kind of last minute for us to get to get time in Norville Hayes, which is one of the last remaining um, real generals of the faith that carry the raw power of God. He is so um, precious. And he's 91 mm. now, 90, 91. Um, I think he just had his birthday thing. 91 but he um you know he's he's older and he's ready to go uh go home and be with jesus but he you know he wants to bless younger people and stuff and so we just got to we got time with him and each time that we've done that there's been such a a significant difference in the way that god's presence is upon us and the way that he moves through us and it's something that it's like it so bypasses um all the good things all the good spiritual disciplines um not you know it doesn't throw them to the side those are important you gotta have those but like it just launches you forward so much every time we've done that it's been huge like noticeable differences in the way that god shows up 
Um, and so between the sewing into people and getting around those people, the more we've done that and honored that and not a weird way. I know conference people always chase, like, I want somebody else to lay hands on me and this and that, and nothing really changes. But when it comes out of that real place of honor and, and recognizing they've paid a cost and they carry something from heaven that we need for our generation, um, God just so honors it. And so we've been really rewarded. But, I, you know, this whole story um, for over these two years or whatever, two, two and a half years, it's been full of disappointment and things would start to seem like something would happen and or, you know, we would kind of figure out, oh, wow, this could look like this. And then it wouldn't look like that at all. Um, or, you know, it'd be like, oh, actually, nothing's happening. And then now that we're two and a half years down the road and we're able to see how all these different things and this all goes back to that original conference that we did that didn't really become what it needed to become and it goes to that or you know Todd White and thinking something's gonna happen nothing happens and you know over and over again there's been these disappointments and but now we see we can see the picture and see how they all come together so yeah and it goes be way before that too because you know we started sewing almost five years ago like when we got married and we've never had like a lot of money, you know, it's always, I mean, God has blessed us, but in the beginning, especially we were so broke and it was, it's always been a sacrifice to sow, uh, but God honors that. Like he honors our obedience. There have been so many times God has just been like, sow into this person and sow this much. And it's been like, oh, okay. And it's more than um, what we had planned but he honors the obedience and the sacrifice. And so I think that's huge, just being obedient to wherever he's just leading you to release a blessing and so and honor these people. Um, but also like sometimes I don't even get a word. I'm just, I notice the anointing and I'm like, I'm just gonna sew into this because it's mm-hmm. anointed. This is an anointed person. There's an, this is an anointed moment. I'm just gonna do it. And you know, it's a beautiful thing when you get to do that. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's awesome just to see how you both have like individual stories, but you're both interwoven into each other's stories, obviously. And it's the story of you guys coming together, but also of you guys both individually trusting and being faithful and honoring the Lord throughout this whole process over Milko for you almost 20 years and Ryan for you over the last couple of years, just going through all these smaller stories and they just build up into this grand moment where it's like we have an open door and open invitation to go to mexico like let's take it here we go boom so why don't you just pray us out with that and just pray into for our listeners to just walk in honor and faithfulness and obedience and just trusting the lord and what they do okay and then i just encourage you guys to i'm going to pray for for all that and hunger and just a grace to pursue this uh, I did a message during all of this process when all of this was stirring the most called uh, The Alignment of Hunger, which is in our podcast. And that that message, God has actually had me go back to multiple times throughout this year and go back to listen to the message I gave, which I needed to hear probably more than anyone, and re, like re-stir myself with that message. Um, and, and just ultimately the point of it is if you get hungry after the things of God and after what have, heaven has for you, Hunger is what aligns you, and that is what keeps you in, in heaven's flow, is just having that hunger. The Holy Spirit does the rest. And so I think a lot of people, we get in this place where we're worried about this decision or that decision, or an angel didn't show up to me to you know tell me to do this or that. Um, and so it's just 
Yeah, just get hungry for God, hungry for the things he has for you, and then you pursue that. You pursue heaven, and the rest, Holy Spirit aligns you, because that's all we did in any of, throughout our whole story, was we just were going after, you know, what God was opening up before us, and, and what people carried, and we never got before a man of God without honoring who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and with And that means money. <laughs> that means writing a check. Um, not just words. So, anyways, Holy Holy Spirit, I can feel God so strong already. Holy Ghost, I just ask right now for you to release, uh, just out of this testimony, God, release hunger, release a passion and a grace to pursue you, God. And just as I entered that season where you said, you know, get up six to eight in the morning. And, and get around anointing man, God. I just ask that some of the, the people listening now, that they get pulled into that season. And that there's just such a grace to do that, that it's not dead works, but that there's a grace uh, to, to spend intimate time with you and to press into that place, and that there's a grace um, to get around anointed people. And not always, not always just the, the famous Christians, but God, the people that carry God, that they'll get around people in their day-to-day lives that carry God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just thank you um, just for this opportunity to even pray into this. But um, what I just keep seeing is just new hope for hearts, new hope for, for the hearts that have a desire to go to the nations and haven't been able to. I just I ask God that with this hope, you also just bring a blessing to just release them into the nations. Yeah, I just pray that uh, that a blessing, even right now, a tangible blessing, just falls on you where things just begin to align, where things have felt out of alignment and have felt messy, that just clarity comes to you about just the place that you're supposed to go to. And um, yeah, just that the finances come through and the opportunity. Holy Spirit, just make it so clear and I pray steadfastness. I pray a desire for steadfastness to to just stand and pursue and not give up when things get tough, but just get up and you keep going. Just get up and keep going and keep pursuing and keep pursuing. There's always a reward. He always rewards. He always rewards. He's so good. Yeah. I just want to encourage you that faithfulness and favor, favor has a price to pay. And that price is really out of, out of being faithful, out of having honor, and out of just trusting in the Lord. And just as you do that, you'll grow in favor. It's something that Jesus did as he grew in favor with God and man. And it doesn't just come out of him just one day waking up and walking in favor. He grew in that and he stewarded that into increase. And I just want to encourage you to do the same thing. So that will conclude our part one of the story of Ryan and Milka making it to Mexico. So this is the whole backstory. Part two we'll share them touching down in Mexico and all the stories that they have from that journey. So I just want to bless you. Join us back for episode two.
you meet.